This is a podcast from Rover. And, and then I went down and sat with some of the film crew down the back. And, and I, just, I mean, I had a blast to be, to be finally back able to talk to people, to be yeah. able to eat, to be able to drink. You know, it was a, it was a very special time for me. And the, the flight, I think, maybe 12 or 13 hours, but it's gone before I know it. And then mm. you know, next thing, you know, they, I had to wait on the plane until after everyone had, had left. And then, you know, there was a security detail came and got me off the plane, took me out. And they, they took me into a hall where I got to see my family. And uh, this is still inside the airport. Like, so I haven't gone through customs and immigration yet, still part of the secure side of it. And they said, look, there's so many journalists out there. We can take you out the back door and let you, let you don't need to go there. And, you know, I, I wasn't really sure where I stood with Sisha, but at the same time, they booted me out and I was pretty upset about that. But I thought, you know, I might as well go and my job is to promote this issue of whaling and make people care about it. So I thought, no, I'll go and do the, do the media thing. And I go out there, and I, I think I said something about, what's up, my homies? As I walk out, there's like about, there's like, I don't know how many, probably 50 journalists. And like, there's a yeah. big media scrum. Oh, my and God. Then, and then there was a guy, Melissa, there was a lady, Melissa Davies, with TV3. She had gone in there, and she'd seen me maybe four or five times while I was in prison. And I knew her the best. Like, when you only get one person a day for 10 minutes on a weekday, she was like my best mate. Anyway, she's in there, and she asked a question, and it tipped me off, and then I just burst into tears, you know? And, and so, and I was a bit messed in the head at the stage, like, mm. you know, a little, maybe a, a mild PTSD or something, but I just burst into tears, and, and, and for a period of time after that, I struggled with my anger. So after that, I ended up going and staying up at my sister's place up in, in Waitakere. They sort of set up a little thing out in their barn for me upstairs, and they had a couple of nice dogs that come and sleep by my feet at night. And, and they, they had tons, there's tons of bush up there. So I'd go tramping each day and hiking and, you know, I'd carry logs up and down and start to get fit again and just sort of manage to get my, my mind back in a, did you in a ever get, space. Did you ever get any sort of professional help uh, sort of unpacking it all because like you said that PTSD like it just stacks up and stacks up and stacks up until yeah, yeah until someone turns up to do their job and cops both barrels of Bethune yeah yeah <laughs> no I didn't I didn't get any professional help but I had you know a lot of love from my family and and I knew I had an issue like that bank teller thing brought it home for me and after that little wee things would trip you up you know not that you know I don't have any big picture stuff stuff now little wee things and you know, I'd say it probably took me about six months to really get in a decent headspace. Um, then, oh, the, 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 there was an Animal Planet crew turned up. So the series was airing at the stage and they they flew me over to the States a week later. This is the series they shot of you being down in Antarctica? Yeah, so this was whaling. season three of Whale Wars. Yeah. And so they flew me over to the States. We did the Jay Leno show. We did uh, the Letterman show and a bunch of bunch of media and and you know my, my job was to was to be part of that and so Sea Shepherd sort of you know tried to welcome me back in the fold and I went and did all their media stuff and then Eddie Gill organizes this he organizes a big party at his house and we ended up we had over 500 people turned up to this party so I just posted on my Facebook page and it just just went kind of viral. and you had to apply for tickets and Eddie had a thing set up where you could apply for these tickets he'd make sure you went psycho or something and we had over 500 people turned up at his house and it was super well organised. He had, you know, had great music playing and his house is, you know, it's, I don't know what's worth, but probably three or four mil, something like that. And when, and at this party, I turn up and everyone's, everyone wants a selfie with me. They were just taking all these selfies or whatever. And for the first couple of hours, 
I'm just taking these photos. And then and then I kind of just sort of, no, I've had enough of this. And there was a there was a 15-year-old boy and a 16-year-old sister. I was like, fuck these adults. This is have a swim. And so I, we just went and had a swim and then we jumped in the spa pool. And I had this, this harem of females following me around. Like the guy's just out of prison kind of thing. It was like the, you know, C-rate celebrity for a day kind of thing. And there was plenty of sex on offer. Like I remember thinking, but I couldn't be bothered. I was like, I just want to hang out with these two kids. So I hung out with them until the end of the night. And then I remember I went, I went upstairs. So the, the kids end up, their parents came and picked them up. And uh, I went upstairs through Hattie Gill's room. There's this orgy happening. <laughs> Oh I still like, and there's, there's there's arms and legs and stuff everywhere, and I I remember I I, I Eddie, you've I, been knocked a puss in your bed. I started, just, I just started, dive on in from the bedroom door. I started snogging some lady on one of the beds in his room, and next thing, is some other guy comes waddling over with this little dick swinging away. I was like, oh no, fuck this. So I went I went outside. I said, oh, this is this isn't my cup of tea. And then, but I I, I end up. I ended up talking to a couple of ladies down the stairs and they were saying, you know, have you got a room here? I was like, yeah. And they said, can we stay the night? Yeah, yeah, come on in. So I took them into this room. So I started started sogging these two. And then a third one came in. <laughs> so now I've got these three ladies. So I've never had a never had a three. So now I've got this, you know, now I've got a foursome starting off and <laughs> oh they were helping each other out. And, you know, when you've done five months in prison, mate, you're ready to go, eh? <laughs> They escaped out of there. It was about 10 o'clock the next day. They finally managed to escape me out of there. You were dropping another three or four kilos overnight. (laughs) (laughs) Just ringing wet. Yeah. And, you know, in fact, one of those ladies I'm still in touch with today, but it was – you know, I was just the, the celebrity for a day and, and, you know, apparently there's something about someone comes out of prison, you want to be first or something. You're the bad like. boy. No, no, <laughs> the bad boy just out of prison, yeah. Um, I'm not sure that reflects that well on me, actually. I remember. That's <laughs> very, yeah. I don't know. Something that happens to you. It's good. You're being honest. Yeah. Um, Would have been like Spider-Man just still sp- stuck <laughs> to the roof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one thing I was happy about, they were quite happy to help each other as well. Like, if yeah. I had to do all of the work, I was exhausted. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, but uh, they, were, they were helping each other out as well. It's a... Yeah, it was one of those crazy nights. It was a crazy period. That that whole Antarctica and prison and coming out of prison and doing all the media and the the parties and stuff, you know, it was a very crazy time in my life. And there were there were good times and shit times. And you know, if you look at you, you know, if you look at your guys' life at the moment, there's a certain up and down nature about it. What was happening there? The the highs were really high yeah. and the lows were really low. Mm. Like it's this this roller coaster up and down. You know. That's kind of been your uh, your whole life as yeah. a conservationist. So not long after that, um, things go pear-shaped with Sea Shepherd and um, then you start up Earth Race Conservation. Is that right? Yeah. So I so I continued with the media stuff with Sea Shepherd, but it was uh, the relationship had become quite strained. And, you know, there, there was, you know, Paul Watson, he is, he is really dishonest. And, you know, I sort of, he's a little bit like Trump, like the truth is sort of irrelevant. And if it's expedient to him at the time, he'll say whatever. And I, I was struggling with that and a few other things with, that was happening with Sea Shepherd. So I remember just thinking, you know, I'm better off doing my own thing. So we, we parted ways. Um, and when I did part ways, it, it caused a big stir within Sea Shepherd. And I took my two daughters. I had – there was a there was a company, um, um, Whale Encounters or something, a Tonga, that said, look, I'll, we'll shout you and your daughters a holiday here if you want to come over and we'll take your whale watching and stuff. So I took, I, I did the post resigning from Sea Shepherd and basically laying out my case and thought, I'm, I'm leaving social media now. I went to Tonga for for uh, for a week and hung out there and went whale watching and stuff. And then when I came back, one of the things, when you get to work on stuff you truly believe in, it's really hard to go back and do a nine to five and mm. you know sell washing machines or fix computers or whatever it is. You work on stuff you believe in, 
I liken it, it's, it's like the matrix where it's a blue pill or a red pill. Once you take that blue pill, very hard, very hard to go back. And so I, you know, with in this case, you know, I want to remain involved in conservation, but how am I going to do that? And the hard part is money. When, when you, if, if you look at 99% of the world's population, we work for someone one way or the other. Yeah. You do your podcast, people listen to it, you get paid via that. You build websites, you go doing concreting, whatever. You look at almost everyone's jobs around the world. You are working for people. When you're a conservationist, your clients have no money. Whales and dolphins and jungle and forest, where there's no money there. So somehow you need to try and monetize your work. And it might be through getting donations. Um, it might be through a television show around what you do. It might be through podcasts or whatever. But somehow you've got to figure out how can I make people my client that allows me to do the work. And so that was the, the thing that I was grappling with. And what had happened with over over that month or so that I got out of prison, Whale Wars was airing the final episodes and and it went gangbusters. And the the final episode when I boarded the Shonen Maru, it remains the highest ever rating episode of TV and Animal Planet history. Partly Whoa. partly now because they're streaming and you know and you know everyone streams so it's not quite the same, but it raided through the roof. And I remember thinking, you know, maybe there's merit in doing a conservation show sort of based on that. Yeah. And so, so I was sort of working on different scenarios. But one of the things that I'd found in Antarctica is, is competence matters. You need people who can really get shit done. And so I remember thinking, what about if I get some spec ops guys? So I end up just sort of putting my feelers out amongst some military people. And I, you know, I had some friends in the SAS and stuff like that. So I just sort of put the word out, you know, it, you know some ride, retired spec ops guys, if you want to be involved in some crazy adventure, let me know. And so I just <laughs> It was like the Expendables. Like, <laughs> ran out of a crew of fucking yeah, You got Stallone. Uh, you got Arnie back. <laughs> a group of miscreants. Yeah. So anyway, I ended up with about ended up with about half a dozen guys. And I, the first mission I put together was to expose the seal clubbing in Namibia. And so that's it, on the Ivory Coast. Yeah. Yeah. On Skeleton the, Coast. Yeah. Skeleton Coast. Yeah. yeah. And and they in those days no one knew about it. And. Uh, you know, I was. At, I think I was, I've seen that because that is fucking wild. It's it's horrible what they do. So they each year they will kill around a hundred thousand seal pups, and what? they they yeah. corral them For down what? these down the sort of oh they make they make purses out of them yeah, and, and, and pelts yeah and maybe a few jackets sort of How thing. Many fucking purses, you know. <laughs> well, that's, that's well, you got one and a half billion people, mate. You, yeah. There's going to be a few purses getting sold, and they there was a you know an exotic seal pelt kind of thing. You know, it's one of the things I struggle with. I you know I understand people hunting for food but when you're hunting just to make a you know this you know seal purse or jacket you know mm. there's something morally wrong and bankrupt about that and the problem with um, where they do it is there's no cover it's basically a sandbank and then they've got processing plants and so to get to the the infiltration part of it or even following them what they're doing it's worse than that it's in a De Beers diamond mine and and you know so so the this mission becomes we're going to break into a De Beers diamond mine and remain hidden and film the seal clubbing. And diamond mines in Africa, they are difficult places. Like you get caught in there, you're probably going to be shot. Um, and if you know if they do catch you and you're not shot, you are going to do serious prison time. Where do you even start with the recce on something like that? The recce on that is Google Earth, mate. I sat there on Google Earth <laughs> looking at and and amazingly, the diamond mine had managed to blur all, most of the mine was blurred so that you couldn't tell where the facilities and stuff were. Ah. So so I could see the, the main roads and stuff. I could figure that. But there was these big areas of, of blurred stuff. And, you know, apparently Google Earth, you can go – in those days, you go and pay them and they will, you know, cover over part of the area and yeah, stuff. you can still do it now. So if you want your house taken off um, Google Earth, you can pay to get it taken off. Really? Yeah. Just oh, basically blurs the whole thing. Yeah, okay.